Swing and a line drive, left field. Ben and Teddy coming on, dives. And did he make the catch? He did. He got it. Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Swing and a miss. Strike three. It's over. The Red Sox have won the world championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another postseason edition of the Benny and the Bets podcast. We're going to be covering all of the wildcard matches that just took place on the National League side of the bracket, and then we'll preview the two divisional series rounds with the teams that advanced. Joining me tonight is Charlie Smith and Jason Kelly. How are you, gentlemen? Not too bad. Not too bad. I can already tell it's going to be a much better show than last night. And uh, I'll take all the blame from last night because uh, <laughs> it was just a mess with all kinds of issues. But got the ship righted 24 hours later. This was probably the better side of the bracket, I would say. If you're judging uh, how each side went just in the wild card rounds, some pitching duels, a little bit of offense, uh, you know, especially with the Padres in uh, game two. So we'll uh, we'll get into all of it right now. But uh, getting right into the Reds Atlanta series, I'll just eat crow right away. I picked the Reds. I just thought they were the team of destiny at least in this round and Joey Votto kind of sold me that these guys were amped up and Trevor Bauer pitched probably the finest uh, game of his life in 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 game one seven and two-thirds innings but no offense ended up going I think what 13 innings and uh, Freddie Freeman got the um, drove in the uh, game-winning run but what do you guys think of that matchup? Because Max Fried on the other side was also phenomenal. And he gave up two singles right away in the game. I thought, oh, Reds are going to win this easy. And then he just completely locked it down, and he went seven strong. Well, I mean, when you get outscored one nothing, and then follow it up by getting outscored 5-0, you scored zero runs. But... I don't think this was so much of the Reds not performing as it was the Atlanta Braves starting pitching just absolutely going off. Um, Anderson ended up having six innings of two-hit baseball. And then we, we know what Freed can bring to the table. He's been lights out. 13 of 18 innings, um, excuse me, 13 innings from your starters, uh, and you didn't allow a run. Eight hits, 13 innings. And 14 strikeouts. Any team would take that any day that ended in Y. But I mean, the Reds just weren't doing it. It's not that it's it's not even that the the Braves were hitting great because um, the first game, uh, Bauer probably had the best or 
maybe the second best postseason start so far behind Clayton Kershaw, who I believe had 13 strikeouts, two hits in seven and two thirds and 12 strikeouts, and your team couldn't get you a run. That is not on you, sir. That is not on you. And Bauer, yeah, it, or go ahead, Jason. No, I, I, um, I was just gonna say, like the Reds' starting pitching, Bauer and Castillo were awesome. They, I mean, you can't ask for much more out of those two guys. Um, if I'm a Reds fan, like I'm encouraged because the offense did actually wake up a bit. Castillo, Castellanos had a couple of hits. Um, they, you know, they didn't score any runs. I know. But like they were actually getting hits, they you know they had eleven hits in game one. They just didn't drive anyone in. Um, the guy that I look at is they're stuck with Mike Mustakas for how many more years? That guy looked awful in this series, and they paid a lot of money for him. And he's got like a three or a four year deal. Like that guy scares me. So if I'm the Reds, I'm I'm pissed about the Mustakas deal, and I'm pissed that you don't have a good back end of your bullpen because Ray's Iglesias blew game two for you completely. So um, it's, it's kind of a, a season of missed opportunity because I feel like the Reds, this was their perfect chance, you know, with the, the three game series with the expanded format, Trevor Bauer's never been hotter than he is right now. Um, they had a real shot and they blew it. I, I, this is a team that they could have beat. They absolutely could have beat Atlanta, and they didn't do it. You know, w- when I was actually looking back at the at the, the numbers for the, the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves, the difference between the starting pitching was one run allowed. That's it. Because Bauer struck out 12, Castillo struck out 7 in the 13 innings. Now, Power didn't walk anyone. Castillo only allowed one walk. Your offense could not generate more runs than your starting pitchers did in both games combined. Your offense is terrible. You had no right in to be in this playoffs if if you were going to be. You can't even put up a run. You got shut out twice. That's pathetic. That's awful. And Mustakis, by the way, still has three years left on that deal because he signed a four-year mega, um, in my opinion, because Mustakis was getting kind of these little BS deals, like $6 million, $10 million. He signed a four sixty-four deal. Um, so he gets $14 million next year and then 16 then 18 um, And then he's got a club option for $20 mil in 20, uh, 2024 with a $4 million buyout. He better figure it out because that's that's just not happening. Oof. Holy crap, that's worse than I thought. Brutal. Yeah. yeah, he he got kind of screwed by the qualifying offer that one year in Kansas City, and then he took kind of a, a lesser deal with the Brewers, Moustakis did, and then finally got a good payday with the Reds, but a big-time overpay, you know, for a guy who's probably not – well, he might be about as impactful as Mitch Moreland was with the Red Sox. Similar production, but obviously the Red Sox paid a lot less, you know, for their infielder. Screwed up on a lot of other contracts. Avaldi, Sale, <laughs> but hmm. so, somehow didn't end up with a Moustakis-type contract. Uh, but yeah, 
So they got a few years left on that. Nick Castellanos can can opt out after this year. That Reds front office is just very erratic in the decisions that they make. And, you know, they seem to develop pitching okay. So I, I guess that's good. But, yeah. And while you guys were kind of jiving there, I uh, I was just looking to see if there was any talk of maybe if um, Bell's job is is it david bell yeah david bell's uh managing mm-hmm. job in jeopardy and uh it doesn't seem to be so um yeah nothing on uh rocco baldelli either <laughs> yeah but that was <laughs> that was on last night's show but a couple of guys that are, are definitely going to be on the hot seat next year anyway um, and just getting into this i mean bauer has never been electric in the postseason you know, he's he's scuffled here and there. He did pitch pretty well against the Red Sox a day or two before he had that drone incident. But he pitched game one against us and, and uh, you know, pitched fairly well considering he had like a five-something ERA on the regular season that year. He was still basically a busted prospect at that point who just hadn't really even close to lived up to his uh, potential. But... But in that performance in, in game one of the series against the Braves, he completely backed up the performances he had in the regular season and exceeded them. I mean, no question about it. Trevor Bauer is going to be the Cy Young in the National League and um, did exactly what he was supposed to do. And it's going to be interesting to see where he goes after this. It sounds like he wants to stay with the Reds, and it sounds like the Reds are going to be aggressive in pursuing him, but I don't know. I mean, he's he's one of those oddball guys that might, might want to just move on. He might be looking at some of these other teams and thinking, geez, you know, look how good they're playing. Maybe I'll go pitch for them for one year because apparently he's only going to sign one-year deals, but... But definitely, uh, you know, the standout player in the series, Castillo, um, you know, went five and a, a third. No, actually, yeah, five, either five or five and a third, but uh, g- gave up just one run. Still, you know, good performance, but no, no offense, like you guys said. Stranded base runners uh, quite a bit, including, I think, twice the bases loaded in extra innings, so... Not not a good uh, performance by the Reds and and uh, Acuna kind of put his stamp on the second game there with uh, a run driven in. He got them on the board one to nothing and then hit a home run later on. So, um, you know, good good series for him. Uh, getting down into the Marlins Cubs, like I said before, we came on credit to me. Kind of a ballsy pick because the Cubs were so good all year long, but the Marlins had a bit of momentum. I cited the Yankees series, which was probably maybe about two weeks ago at this point, but they uh, handled the Yankees with ease, and I thought the three-game, you know, shorter series kind of benefited the Marlins, especially where they weren't going to have Urena. But, Charlie, what were your thoughts on this series? Um, you know, I tip my cap to anybody if I were to actually wear a cap in these trying times. 
Uh, to anyone thinking that the Miami Marlins actually <laughs> thought they had a, a chance against the Cubs because the Marlins were the saddest thing next to, uh, you know, the Red Sox. Uh, it, it was it was pretty brutal. It was tough. I mean, the only teams that were that, in my opinion, that shouldn't have been here were, you know, the Marlins, the Reds, uh, a couple other teams. But uh, the Marlins actually really showed up. Um, I was absolutely blown away by Sixto's performance. Uh, Sixto Sanchez went five innings, allowed four hits. Um, they had that one late inning home run, and then another run that I got to watch part of this game. So I was actually kind of pumped. Outside of that seventh inning, nothing happened. Uh, you know, there were major kind of what the hell's going on type situations from Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant who combined 0 for 16. 0 for 16 with five strikeouts. Those are two of your best hitters, and they did jack. So when your top two guys get a combined zero hits – yeah, you're going to get spanked pretty hard. And the Marlins didn't really have to do that much. You know, Alcantara did did a, a pretty good serviceable job, allowed one run on three hits and six and two-thirds. That's pretty good. And they couldn't do anything for Hendricks. Uh, Darvish, I think, pitched very well. I actually said, you know, the Cubs aren't even going to have to throw Lester out there. The Cubs are going to go 2-0. It's going to be over. And I, I could not have been more wrong. Like, I don't know if they heard me, and the Marlins are like, oh, we're going to fix him. But, <laughs> yeah, they 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 showed everybody. I mean, every every player that should have gotten at least one hit didn't. Rizzo, 0 for 8. Bryant, 0 for 8. Schwarber, I think he had, like, 0 for 5 in his series because he didn't, he didn't do anything. 0 for 4. Um, I don't remember if Baez got a hit in the first game. He might have gotten, like, a single like, what? You just, you can't have, you just can't have that from your team. I don't even know why Jason Kipnis was in that lineup. When I, when I saw his name in the lineup, I was like, that must have been an error. Uh, no, he, I, I, just, that was another disappointing team. I mean, the Chicago Cubs disappointed me more than the Reds because I didn't think the Reds were going to do anything. The Cubs, I thought, were going to do something. So I, I found the Cubs to be the most disappointing team so far in the playoffs. Yeah, and... um I'll give myself a half pat on the back because I did say the Marlins would win game one. Um, I then backed down and said the Cubs would win the next two and they'd still win the series, um, which they didn't. So, but I, you know, I liked the Marlins going in. I just, I feel like that's a team that's got a little bit of swag about it. And I know that's like, that's not a tangible thing that you can measure. So it's hard to really gauge a team based on that. But, um, the Marlins bullpen didn't allow a run in these two games and their bullpen's actually not bad. I mean, Brad Boxberger is there now. He used to close for the Rays. He's still pretty good. Brandon Kinsler is their closer who I don't think any other team would really consider him a closer, but he's been a solid reliever his whole career. And he's, you know, he closed out uh game two for the Marlins struck out the side. You know, he did allow a hit, but he ended up striking out the side after that. So, I don't know. This Marlins team has a little bit of juice. Now, you know, in the later rounds, are they going to be able to make it? Probably not, if I had to guess. But um, I just, I feel like the Cubs were headed for this. You know, all the questions surrounding that roster heading into this offseason, you hear Anthony Rizzo talking about, well, we we know this is probably our last run as, as this group because a lot of things are going to change. And, 
you know, they, they already had a managerial change. Like, I feel like this was coming. The, the Cubs were due for this, and I feel like it's going to be a rough offseason for Cubs fans because I think that team has to undergo a lot of changes, and not all of them are going to be pleasant. So, um, in a way, if you're a Cubs fan, this might have been for the best. Rip off the Band-Aid early because this was not a World Series team. This was not a team that can compete with the Dodgers or the Padres, who I think are the class of the NL right now. Um, so, you know, you got upset by the Marlins. Maybe that's a little bit embarrassing. Um, maybe it sucks. But I feel like that Cubs fan base is headed in for a very long and difficult offseason as well. So hats off to the Marlins. They they came in here. They quote-unquote shocked the world, if you want to put it that way. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to see a team like that succeed because everyone wrote them off with all the COVID stuff earlier this year. And uh, they're still playing their asses off. And they're still winning games, so good for them. Even though- I, I got a question. I got a question because Terry gave himself credit. Said credit to me. You gave yourself a half pat before you, you went to the Cubs. So I was going to say, okay, so you give yourself like a half pat in the back and then backhand yourself. What would you do if you went 0-2 in that one? Because uh, Kinsler, I remember Kinsler because I had him on my fantasy team last year uh, for a little bit. Kinsler was a Cub last year. How nice was that if you're Brandon Kinsler to be able to face the team that was like, nah, no, we're not going to keep you next year. To be able to, to basically say, uh, in your face. Uh, to you the have team to. He, he did better this year than he did last year. Yeah. The answer to that, Charlie, is you have to send Derek Jeter a, uh, a gift basket. That's that's his favorite <laughs> thing, right? So. Yeah. He, well, I mean, he, he likes to send gifts baskets to, to you know, Lay's ACs once or twice. You know, you right. can't tell see so many um terry what what did you think about that one well even though i i gave myself a pat on the back i will admit that one of my big reasons for picking the the marlins was that you darvish has a terrible postseason record and i thought he was gonna kind of fold but he didn't and he got, what, into the sixth inning before giving up that home run to Garrett Cooper, uh, the first of the two runs. But he, him and Sixto Sanchez were just matching each other pitch for pitch all the way through. And it was kind of cool to see, you know, the young young guy in Sixto versus the, the older veteran. And, uh, you know, I, I was following along, you know, on my uh, delivery route, so I, I wasn't able to see it, but able to listen along and you know it, it was a good matchup and I, I i was impressed with with darvish you know he really brought it and i didn't think he would kimbrell came in uh later in the game you know looked good jason and i were joking via text um <laughs> you know just get the ball to kimbrell because we weren't going to record tonight if, if they forced game three we would have had to have waited till tomorrow so we're like, well, I'll just get the ball to Kimbrell and, you know, we'll record tonight. And, you know, so the the pitching was fine. The the Cubs just, let, like Charlie said, had had no offense. And, you know, it's not they, – they underachieving isn't new. I mean, the last two seasons prior to this, they just completely fizzled in the second half. So – you know, when you talk about this long off season that we're about to have, you, you might need to shake up the chemistry a little bit. 
you know, if you don't think you're going to sign Chris Bryant long-term, and I don't think I would personally want to sign him. There's just something about his personality. I, I don't know. Maybe a clubhouse cancer might be a little too harsh, but he's very outspoken. And, you know, you just kind of, I'd rather my players be locked in, you know, to, you know, what's going on day to day with the team. And uh, so I'm not a huge Chris Bryant guy. I love Anthony Rizzo. I, I, be surprised if you find someone who didn't um but there's going to be some tough decisions made on them it sounds like lester's not going to have his option picked up which is kind of weird because they have to buy him out for 10 million anyway so i mean why not just keep him one more year but but here's a question if they really do want to blow it up a little bit with darvish's performance today as well as a, a solid regular season, has his trade value elevated? Uh, yeah, I would say so. You know, it, it's funny because when you started talking, I was like, "Wait, he's not talking about Derek Jeter's gift baskets." Um, <laughs> I'm just busting. Um, Chris Bryant, I'm sure. You know, he'll end up signing with a team that's got like the most Bieber fans because he's a good-looking dude. You just stick him on a team with a cool-looking jersey, and I'm sure he's going to get a lot of you know people in butts in the seats and whatnot uh you darvish if they really end up blowing up the team um would i go so far as to say oh man the cubs should take a page out of the red sox book because look how great that turned out they got the fifth pick in next year's draft you could blow up the team it's still not going to be bad if you get rid of darvish you can still add another piece in there and you'll 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 still have a a decent enough team you won't do as bad as boston because they lost 80 percent of their starting rotation and really about like 90% because we only saw one of them for half the season. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think he's got an increased value. Uh, if you take out uh, the first batter of every game that you Darvish faces, uh, the guy is an above average pitcher and he does make your starting rotation really, really good. Is you Darvish a one? No, I don't think he's a one anymore. Is he a two? Yes. If if you Darvish is the three in your rotation, oh my gosh. But yeah, absolutely. If, if there's a market for him and they can they can finagle a uh, proper re- return for it, yeah, absolutely do it. Oh my God. Easy. Yeah, I got yeah. his contract up right in front of me. He's got, I thought he had two years remaining, which would have made it, you know, pretty palatable. He actually has three remaining. Uh, 22 million in 2021, which is his age 34 season. Then uh, 2022, he's on the the Cubs are on the hook for 19 million, and then in 2023, his age 36 season, uh, he is owed 18 million. So just to make the math easy, it's roughly uh, 60 million. That's a, a Porcello contract, basically. That's about what he was making every year. So. Um, you know, there, there's some durability issues there, so I, I guess that could steer some teams away, but this might be the last best chance to trade him based on his uh, performance today. So I think they should take a shot at it, and I think you could get a decent return. You, you should be able to get at least one top 10 prospect with one or two mid-levels attached to it. And, you know, you, you take Lester off the books, 
you get Bryant out of there, you know, and, and probably get at least one good prospect for him. And, you know, I think they can they can have a quick turnaround if, if they play their cards right. And everybody, you know, regards Theo Epstein as, as a great GM. And, and he is. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He reversed roughly 200 years worth of curses. And, but my only concern is, it's a different world now, you know, and I don't know how analytical he is. I didn't think the Darvish contract was a smart one at the time because of his postseason, you know, struggles and the durability issues. And I just, I don't know. And I didn't think the Kimbrell acquisition was good either, even though he, he really, you know, made some improvements this year, but but I, I just think it's probably best, even if it does take more than a year to get resituated, if it's two or three, I think Cubs fans would appreciate the transparency on that versus being mediocre for the next few years just for the sake of competing. So I think they should blow it up, and I think, I think they should capitalize on what Darvish did today and uh, see if there is a market out there for him. Yeah, I I look at Darvish and, I mean, doesn't that just seem like the type of guy the Minnesota Twins would trade for? Because that's a team that, you know, uh, just got unceremoniously dumped out of the playoffs again. Uh, they're always desperate for pitching. They've actually got a pretty deep farm system. Like, I don't know if they give up Alex Kirilov for him, who's, you know, their number two, but I could see them giving up like a Nick Gordon or someone like that. Like, I think the Cubs would be interested in that. I just, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think Darvish increased his trade value. I think the Cubs would be stupid not to take calls on him. And I could totally see the Twins, you know, out of desperation, just calling the Cubs being like, look, we, we need another starter. Uh, we, we need more pitching here. So, they'd be willing to make that trade. I, I I look at Darvish, and I see him in a Minnesota Twins uniform in the future. Yeah, and they're losing Oda Rizzi, even though he didn't have a great year anyway. But, you know, so yep. there, there could be a spot for him. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so uh, we'll get into the series now that just wrapped up several minutes ago, the Padres and the Cardinals. And it was looking like last night the Cardinals were probably going to end this quick. And uh, probably, well, I guess the Brewers would have been a bigger upset against the Dodgers. But but we were all pretty convinced that the Padres were going to easily uh, handle the Cardinals. But it, you know, ended up being a tough series. Charlie, uh, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I don't remember if I said Padres. In, I think I said Padres in three. I didn't think I was bold enough on this one to say Padres in two. Oh, okay. uh, Chris Paddock, just what the hell is going on with these like rookie or second-year pitchers that are just absolutely throwing up duds? Like, What the hell are you doing? Um, I mean, both starters in the first game just really just got wrecked, and that was when Goldschmidt actually decided to have a good game. Like He actually went yard uh, in the first game. The second game was just stupid because, uh, I don't know if you guys knew this, but some history was made uh, in game two of the Padres-Cardinals game 
Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. and Will Myers became the first teammates since 1932 when it was, uh, I believe, Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth for the New York Yankees to each hit two home runs in the same game. It's only happened once, and that was, or the last time it happened was that time. I don't know if it happened before that, but it was the first time that two teammates had each done it after the sixth inning. Babe Ruth and Lou, uh, Lou Gehrig did not do, um, did not accomplish this feat before or, or after the sixth inning. So history was made last night. The Cardinals were winning six to two, and then proceeded to get outscored nine to three. And it wasn't it wasn't close either. Like both both uh, sets of relievers were just giving up bombs. And uh, when Tatis hit the three run bomb, Machado went yard. It's six six. So now it's like a fresh slate. Myers goes yard. Tatis goes yard. Uh, I'm watching this all like live. And then um, a couple of of sack flies make it a one run game. Myers goes yard after I believe Profar singled. I think he singled it. And then uh, Goldie hits an, a home run in the ninth, makes it a, a, a two run game. And then game three, where the Cardinals just look done. They had no energy, but it was the entire San Diego Padres bullpen that pitched. And um, Jack Flaherty had a great game, but game three was yet another performance where the starter goes lights out and he gets no offense. I mean, none. Goldschmidt, no hits. Molina, your best hitter, had one hit. When Molina is your best hitter in a series, you've got problems because you don't have Yadi Molina in the lineup for power, for offense. You had him for being a leader and being a great defensive catcher, not for the bat. And this was just a ridiculous series where uh, Molina ended up doing a heck of a lot of work, and that was it. But honestly, the Cardinals looked like the gas was empty, like empty tank, because in Game 3, it was just uh, all systems go uh, for the Padres. That's it. Yeah, um, the Cardinals should have won the series, to be honest. And I picked the Padres going in. I thought the Padres were the far and away better team. Um, I did not think that Chris Paddock would get his uh, teeth kicked in in game one like he did. And, you you know, the Padres tied up in game two with just Fernando Tatis going out of his mind, which, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, that's just... You're going up against kind of a historic uh, postseason performance there. So you chalk that one up, but you head to game three. And if you're the Cardinals, you've got Jack Flaherty on the mound. And the Padres are going with a bullpen game. They go with Craig Stammen and then, you know, a bunch of bullpen guys. And you don't score. You can't score one run off of their bullpen. Like, I, I agree with Charlie. It's like they ran out of steam. It's like they... they threw all their bullets in game two and game one and they had nothing left for game three which for a team of veterans like Goldschmidt and Molina you know guys like that even Paul DeYoung I kind of consider a veteran at this point like those are some of your best hitters and they just didn't show up Matt Carpenter didn't show up like again in a bullpen game and I know I, I know the bullpen game has been working for a couple of years now 
I know the Rays have perfected it, but you should not lose a playoff game to a team doing a bullpen game. That, to me, is inexcusable. And if I'm a Cardinals fan, I'm really annoyed right now because that series was there for the taking. You could have had one of the bigger upsets in this playoffs, taking out Slam Diego and the Padres, who everyone is in love with. And yeah, they're a great team. They're they're a team on the rise. And, you know, if Tatis continues to play like this and, you know, Machado's there and they've got some good young pitching, they could be a problem for a long time. But they were that close to blowing this series and being eliminated from the playoffs in a year where they have probably the more the most attention on San Diego than I can ever remember in my lifetime. So to me, like I look at this as a massive, massive blown opportunity by the Cardinals. Uh, they could have won this series. They didn't. I don't think it's because they didn't have the bullets because, again, in Game 3, Jack Flaherty did his job. He pitched pretty well. He pitched well enough to keep you in it. And your offense against a bullpen game just didn't show up, and that's not good enough. So big blown opportunity by the Cardinals. Um, congrats to the Padres. They continue to go on, but if I'm a Padres fan, I am glad that they moved on, but uh, I wouldn't be feeling too great because they sort of, they kind of scrape by. They scrape by a team that they should have beaten more handily than that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they look in in the next series. So I'll, I'll say this much about Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter sucked this year, and, and Young, who's, who's a a fourth-year player, also underperformed, but he didn't have the benefit of the juiced ball. Carpenter sucked in 2020. He was terrible. He hit under 200, uh, didn't even bother stealing bases. I think he was like the team's designated hitter for most of the year. Like I, I don't think he was playing that that hybrid second-third play, second-third uh, base position that he normally used to do because now you got uh, Wong out there, and um, you know I think. Goldschmidt also played like first. I think at one point he also played second base sometime in his career. De Jong's playing short. And then uh, what's the name of the third baseman for the cards? Is it Edmund? Yeah, Tommy Edmund. Yeah, yeah Edmund's over there too. So, um, I, I, you know, it, it was what it was. But this was another series where uh, the guy who closes the door uh, for your team ends up having the luxury of doing it against his former team. Trevor Rosenthal was the longtime closer, um, or should have been the longtime closer in St. Louis. Uh, lost his job in 2016 because he kind of lost his control. Uh, the following year, didn't really get it back. And then after that, they're like, so long, farewell, toodaloo. And they just gave up on him. And it's, uh, it's pretty fitting that he starts the year with one team, gets another opportunity, lights up, does not allow a run for the Padres during the regular season and ends up getting to shut the door against the team that told him just three short years ago, yeah, we, we're just, you're not worth it anymore. So I found that to be kind of sweet. Game three, and I'm, I'm watching the highlights of that, and I was like, oh, wow. I remember when Rosenthal was my, one of my closers when he was wearing a Cardinals uniform and uh, strikes out the side. So how dumb do you feel? You know? So uh, it, it was uh, interesting to watch. I'm okay with the result because uh, I wanted the Padres to win. So as Terry would say, I'm going to, you know, credit to me, tap, tap <laughs> my cap myself. Uh, I, 
I, I didn't think the Cardinals really had a chance. Um, the Padres are my favorite, and honestly, while I hate some aspects of the San Diego Slam Diego Padres, they do have the best shot caller in baseball in Don Orsillo, and it's not even up for debate. You know, it's better for baseball that the Padres win this series. They're the sexy team. Like Jason said, everybody's in love with them. Uh, They're fun. They're likable, except for Manny Machado. But he was two for 14 in the whole series and basically invisible. Like, they spend all that money on him, and he's, like, not even, like, the fourth most exciting guy on the team. (laughs) So... Um, yeah, so it's just kind of weird how, you know, he's taken a back seat to Fernando Tatis, who granted is probably a generational talent, um, you know, hit what I think two home runs, like Charlie said, um, you know, it's definitely a fun team to watch. My only concern here is they're going to be playing the Dodgers and you would think that that's going to be a great matchup, but LeMay, LeMet, however you pronounce it, still kind of up in the air with a biceps issue. They're kind of being coy about when he might be ready. They're, they're not putting an exact timetable on it. And then more ominously, Mike Clevenger has an elbow sprain. That's something that usually would keep you out for two to three months in the regular season. So pretty safe to say he's done for the year and and if they're really lucky he won't need any kind of surgery on it but their their pitching is going to be a problem going forward and and we'll we'll get into that but definitely a blown opportunity for the cardinals when they went up 4 to nothing in game 2 i thought geez you know if they could get 6 innings out of Wainwright then you know that might be that might just do it and especially if they could tack on a couple more insurance runs and actually they did I they scored six runs and uh or actually nine by the end of it but um but yeah and unfortunately Wainwright they only got three and a third innings out of him and they had to use five or six more relievers after him and they just they couldn't hold it together St. Louis had way too, uh, excuse me, San Diego had way too much firepower. And, you know, the, the, the Padres won. But like I said, it's, it's better for baseball. Um, hopefully they can patchwork, uh, uh, you know, some pitching together. They did use nine different relievers tonight um, to, to get a shutout. Um, so... They've got a bullpen to work with, but we'll we'll see what Jace Tingler can, um, you know, can come up with there. Uh, all right, so uh, the last series here, um, the Dodgers and the Brewers kind of went according to script. You know, the Brewers had a losing record coming in really had no business being in the playoffs and did not play like a playoff team. So, Charlie, uh, what was your thoughts on the series? Well, I don't get to, you know, pat myself on the back and credit my credit <laughs> to me. I'm going to start using that phrase. Credit <laughs> me for picking the Dodgers in two. And uh, there's really to talk about in this game. 
Bueller Bueller did his job, um, struck out two guys every inning he was in, and then you have Urias in there who strikes out five over three innings. The game was over before it started. The Dodgers scored two runs in the first inning, a run in the second, and honestly, like you scored two runs in the first inning off of walks. You literally walked in a run on on two batters. You you cannot do that in the playoffs. Like it's it's not rocket science. You you just can't do it. I don't know what you're doing. What the f, you know? And then the second game, the best performance in the playoffs so far. Clayton Kershaw strikes out 13 eight innings on 93 pitches. Incredibly efficient, uh, and all of their damage was done in the fifth inning. You feel bad for Woodruff because he went off, but his team couldn't go off. You know, um, the funny thing, Gratterall was the was the closer of Game Two, and I, there was one scene if you guys were watching the game where Clayton Kershaw was like waving off the the pitching coach, like, no, 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 you're not getting me. I'm getting out of this inning, and then you can take me out at the end. But like, that's it. Brewers had no business in this. They were, you know, this team had a losing record. Uh, I feel almost I feel embarrassed saying you know credit to me. This was an obvious pick. I mean, people that don't even know baseball would have picked this, not even based on the you know the team logos or mascots. But you see, twenty nine and thirty one against forty three and seventeen. Really, you think the Brewers have a chance in this game? Because if you do and you're right, then I really want to know what's in store for my future. You know, this game just was. Both of these games are over before they even started. Yeah, um, all due respect, Terry. Um, your team, your other team, is offensive. Um, the Brewers were offensive to watch <laughs> in these playoffs. Um, who the hell is Eric Yardley? And who the hell is, what's his name, the other guy, uh, Justin Topa? Like, those were two pitchers that, you know, and I looked them up afterwards. They're both, like, 29, 30 years old. Like, they're journeymen who just... The Brewers just threw out there in a playoff game. Like, yeah, I, Brent, Brent Suter did exactly what I expected Brent Suter to do. He blew one and two thirds, five walks, three earned runs. Um, he was useless. The team didn't hit. The only guy who did hit was the only guy who I pointed out before the series, Orlando Arcia, the only guy who was hitting. So he at least did a little something, but. Yeah, this this was a train wreck of a series. The Dodgers just cruised in this one, and now they got the Padres. And as you said, like Padres have pitching questions, and the Dodgers are sitting there going, "Okay, well, you know, we can we we got plenty of options. Um, you know, we we're okay." So, yeah, it's this was this was not much of a series. I I love upsets. I love upsets nothing more than. In in sports, you know, like it's my favorite thing, but the Brewers just had no shot that they were so outmatched in this. And boy, does that team need pitching? They need pitching so bad. Like it can't just be Brandon Woodruff and a collection of guys. And oh, by the way, Josh Hader is still there. Like, no, they've got to get a solid. They've got to get an actual rotation there because I do think the offense is good. I think over the course of a whole season, that offense will score runs. Um, it's just they just have no pitching, so that team's just not going to go anywhere until they do. Yeah, and unfortunately, they're one of the poorest 
markets in, in baseball. They just don't generate a lot of revenue. They don't have a TV deal like the like the Red Sox do. Um, you know, they don't like own their network. I mean, um, you know, so there there's going to be some challenges there and. I don't know what their farm looks like. I, if I remember right, it's a it's one of the bottom five. So hopefully they've got some some pitching there, and you, you would think they you know should at least go to free agency and bring in at least one or two decent arms. But but that's a team that's probably going to take a uh, a back seat uh, for a couple seasons as well. They did get. Yelich on a long-term deal, a very team-friendly deal, considering, you know, his immense talent. Um, but yeah, beyond that, and you can't keep pitching Hater like that year after year. You know, the shelf life of a reliever typically isn't that long, especially if you're going to be using them in two-inning appearances. So um, yeah, and then the Dodgers. Much like the Rays, just the best team on this side of the bracket. Just very well balanced, you know. And really, uh, maybe with the exception of the bullpen, because Jansen obviously has issues, coughed up a couple uh, games late in the season. But there's a lot to like here. And that Gratterall kid that the Red Sox didn't want is uh, seemed to be you know, reining in that those control issues he was having earlier in the season. So, you know, he, he could be their long-term closer, you know, going forward anyway. But, yeah, and Mookie Betts uh, drove in uh, at least one or two runs and uh, had a hit uh, in the second game. So he finally showed up <laughs> for a, for a yeah. playoff game. Yeah, he yeah. He had to Only be a, took a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it, it was the Brewers too. So let's you know, let's see how. Yeah, it not does. not to uh, add to your depression, but of the top ten Brewers prospects, only three of them are pitchers. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, not not looking great there. No, maybe uh, Council probably be looking at when his contract uh, runs up. <laughs> Get, yeah, get, really. get into a better market, you know, with some some payroll. But yeah, I, he and he might be. I mean, he's a top three manager, uh, I would think, in, in MLB. And you know, just he ma- should uh, he should get the Astros job if they. I mean, did they extend Baker? Is yeah, with okay. they picked up his option. They actually did it the the first week of the season. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. So, yeah, I was going to say he'd be a perfect guy for the Astros. But. Yeah. I don't know what they have, though, in their um, – their farm can't be too bad, but they're going to probably have a transition year at least, um, you know, to at least get their rotation uh, squared away. But, yeah. But Council is going to be managing for the next 20 years if he if he really wants to be, I feel like. Um, all right, so we'll just get right into the matchups now. Uh, we'll start with, uh, let's start with Miami-Atlanta, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, because both the, it's, yeah, they're in the same division in both matchups here. They're going to be facing division rivals. But, yeah, so Atlanta versus Miami. 
Charlie, uh, how do you have it? Does uh, did Miami win you over? Hell no. <laughs> I didn't think so. No way. I refuse. Anything that Derek Jeter touches, I don't want any part of that. For obvious reasons, I'm not trying to get anything that won't go away. <laughs> uh, I uh, I think Atlanta is going to win this. Uh, they, they win this in four. Uh, Miami will. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do a little tip my cap like Jason did earlier because I, I need to give Miami something because they got two against the Cubbies. I don't think the Cubs are Atlanta. Um, I like Atlanta a lot. Um, I think they were underrated early this year and have been able to do a lot with uh, some major adversity and some major losses during the course of the season, uh, including losing multiple starting pitchers. Uh, And they've been able to overcome all objection. Um, I'm going to say Atlanta in four. Very well. Uh, Jason, how do you have it? So um, are these still best of five? Or are they are they now best of seven? Because I, I thought that didn't happen until the NLCS or the CS series. Yeah, it is best of of five for the division. It is okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I had that... the same question last night. So division series still five, championship seven. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I'm scared to bet against the Marlins because of what happened last series. Um, but I'm still going to. I still think Braves are going to win this. Um, I think Braves in three. I do, I do think the the Marlins are going to squeak out a game here. Um, they just I, I like the way the Marlins are going. I think they're trending in the right direction. And you know that again, they're a team. They remind me of the Nationals last year. They've got that swagger about them. That's just you know we don't care if anyone if no one pays attention to us. We don't care if we're not in the biggest market. You know, we're just going to go out there and play. Um, So I think they will win a game. They are going to put pressure on the Braves because I think the Braves are kind of whistling past the graveyard in terms of their pitching situation. Apart from Freed and this kid, Ian Anderson, like, do they feel comfortable with Cole Hamels? Is Cole Hamels even healthy? Like, no, I don't. Yeah. So he's not even healthy. Like the Braves pitching is still a problem. And I feel like just because they won their first series against the Reds, who couldn't score anything, like, all of a sudden, it's, oh, here come the Braves again. Watch out for Ronald Acuna. Okay, great. They've got a great lineup. Do they have the pitching to stack up? I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure that they do. Now, granted, I'm not sure Miami has enough bullets to just get through another series alone, but I think they eke out a win here. I think they're going to eke out a win. They're going to put pressure on the Braves, but... I still go with the talent on the roster. The Braves have a nasty lineup. I still think that comes to fruition. Um, I think the Braves still have the better bullpen. As much as I was impressed with Miami's bullpen in the first series, the Braves' bullpen is still better. And um, I still think they win out, but it's going to be a dogfight. I I don't think Miami is going to get crushed here. I think this is going to be a dogfight. This might be the most interesting series apart from, you know, in terms of the National League. This might be the more interesting series, even more so than Padres-Dodgers. Um, and I feel weird saying that because I've been looking forward to Padres-Dodgers all year. But the Marlins are showing me something, and I feel like they're going to really stick it to the Braves here. So I'm still going to say Braves in three, but I think it's going to be a dogfight, and it's going to be a tough series. All right. You you would actually have them in four, actually. Three, yeah. three games to one. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, four. 
Sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. Um, I'm going to say, uh, and, and I'll Don't. get to why. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't succumb to peer pressure. <laughs> I am going to say the Braves in five. I think it goes the the length, the full length. But it's interesting, though, because both teams are really only three pitchers deep. You know, the the Marlins have Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, and then Pablo Lopez, who had a 361 ERA. It drops off after that with Trevor Rogers, And, of course, Urena um, is on... You know the disabled list for the rest of the year with a with a fracture in his arm. If they had Urena, though, I would be I might be swayed and 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 might have picked the Marlins here to, um, you know, to pull off another upset. But Atlanta's lineup, like Jason said, it's just it's very robust. They're a pretty balanced team. You know, Max Freed. After pitching only, I think, six innings in the whole month of September, you know, pitched a gem in, in his start, you know, coming off of that ankle injury. And then Sixto Sanchez just looks like the real deal. Oh, that's Marlins. My bad. <laughs> Ian Anderson. I, I was – Sanchez is the real deal, I feel like. But Ian Anderson. They both are. Yeah. I hadn't really seen Anderson uh, pitch until uh, game two there. And – you know, seven innings, like I said earlier. You know, there, there's a lot to like. And um, who do the Braves have as their... Oh, Kyle Wright as uh, their number three guy. So, you know, they each team basically has two aces, but I just got to give the edge to, um, you know, the Braves, you know, because I, I think they're going to score more runs and... You know, but it could be it could be a pitcher's duel the first two games. I guess my big gripe here is there's no off days. It's five straight games because they're pitching in a bubble, so there's no travel days. And not having those days, I mean, you can't really use your game one starter in game five because that's that's a day too short. So yeah, that's a, a the, problem I have with the, this format. Yeah, the bubble does kind of eliminate the whole idea of a two or a three man rotation. Um, because you're right, it's five straight games, so you don't get that extra travel day to, you know, rest your number one guy and potentially pitch him four or five innings. So yeah, that does throw a, a screwball into it. Yeah, and it's just going to get weirder as we go. But I guess you know if you know the next two rounds go um you know six and seven then of course you'll see your number one and number two guys um you know pitch a second time but yeah the only the only thing is you know what if what if a team puts up a seven spot in the second inning or whatever do you take advantage of that and then pull your starter out? And that's only really viable in game one anyway. But do you pull him out in, in case you need him for game five and just kind of let it ride with the bullpen? You know, both teams' bullpens were, you know, were good in the wild card round. So it's just it's just a unique set of circumstances, I guess. But um, 
nonetheless, uh, I will take the Braves here. I'm rooting for the Marlins. And I just want to say this. I'm I'm really glad that that Jeter has stuck by Mattingly. And I know they have a relationship because Mattingly was still a player on the Yankees, uh, you know, at the very, very beginning of Jeter's career. So there is a relationship there anyway. But I just feel like, you know, Mattingly kind of got railroaded out of, you know, Los Angeles and took what was really a shit job. I mean, who wants to manage the Marlins? And then Jose Mm. Fernandez dies, you know, so the whole future of the team basically died. You know, it became a long-term, you know, rebuild after that. And, you know, he's stuck through it, and I think he's done a great job developing all these guys. And they do have some veterans like Marte and and Aguilar who have come in and, and made an impact as well, you know, and probably, you know, have good veteran leadership but but I'd love to see Mattingly do it and you know if he does get past this round I and none of us are are picking him to but if it happens he's gonna he's gonna get a, a chance to face off his you know his old team you know the the Dodgers so um so we'll see it's just too bad he didn't get to manage the Dodgers with you know the roster they have now because you know who knows who knows what would have happened you know maybe they would win one of those two world series yeah see here's the thing like i feel like giving the credit to to a manager of the dodgers right now is like giving credit to eric spolstra if you're a heats fan or you know the nba eric spolstra spolstra didn't do anything with miami you had like Chris Bosch, LeBron James, and Dwayne Wade. All you had to do was sit there and shut up. Being the coach for the Miami Heat was like being the weather person in Los Angeles, California. It's the easiest job in the damn planet. All you have to do is say, the weather will be great. Back to you, Bill, with the sports. It's it's it like shut up. And and with the with the Dodgers, it's the same thing. Don Mattingly, I think, is one of the most overrated baseball players. I don't give a damn if Yankees fans want to complain about it. He had three years of like goodness, followed by another six or seven horrid years. I I feel nothing for Don Mattingly. Is he a good coach? Sure. Do I do I feel like he could have won a World Series? You could have put a four month old child at the helm of the Dodgers when they had that ridiculous team, and they would have still done just as good. That team was built for like Fort Knox, man. Nothing was taking that team down. Uh, Mattingly is is you know fine fine coach nothing on him you know I'm just busting but um, I mean I'm 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 over I'm over the sentiment now of of you know credit Jeter for doing that but I feel like the term loyalty in baseball just doesn't exist for coaches anymore and that and that goes in tie with with what happened with the Red Sox with Ron Renneke there was no loyalty there Renneke was was good to Boston and there was no love no mutual love uh, going his way. Well, I mean, I I'll think this time though there is loyalty because oh, he's yeah, still there. Oh yeah, there one instance. But do you think there will be loyalty next year? Oh, I think he'll be back. Yeah, I I was gonna say I think actually Mattingly has done a pretty good job. I mean, this was a team that you know they traded guys like Jonathan VR mid year mid year, and they're still in the playoffs. And granted, you know. 
Obviously, the the COVID thing didn't help, but he's coaching a good mix of veterans and first time like prospects. Guys like um, what's the shortstop's name? Uh, God, I can't think of it. Jazz Chisholm, who who got some playing time, and guys like uh, Jesus Sanchez, and you know, like he's got a good mix of young players, but he's also got veterans like Garrett Cooper, who the Yankees themselves passed up on, and hit a big home run this series. Um, you know, guys like Corey Dickerson, who the Rays and the Pirates both mysteriously gave up on because he's always been a pretty good hitter, and he finds himself in Miami, and he's producing. Jesus Aguilar, who the Brewers, again, mysteriously gave up on. Um, I think Madden Lee's done a pretty good job, so I, I think he's absolutely back. And as long as he can maintain that balance of letting the young guys develop but also allowing the veterans to, you know, sort of be the anchor of that team. I, I think he's done an okay job. I, I have no problems with him. And and the story's not over yet. I mean, we we all did pick the Braves, but I mean, it wouldn't be the upset of the century if if the Marlins came away with this one. I mean, each team's going to have their best two pitchers starting the series. You know, so if Alcantara and Sixto are just lights out again and they somehow squeeze out those first two games, they only have to win one of the next three. You know, so I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, it'll be interesting if it does. And, and Mattingly is just going to get that much more credit, that much more praise. And,. You know, it's just gonna it's gonna be a unique story. You know, if he does square off against his his old team, you know, uh, <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> I just, you know, there are some people that are gonna get a lot of credit. I mean, yeah, was was Don Mattingly uh, getting love and 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 passion when his team won fifty seven games last year? Was he getting a brunt of the blame? They, they played 350 baseball last year. Uh, the year, the year, I mean, each year that he's been a manager outside this BS joke of a season, his winning percentage has gone down each year. Yes, they've done something to the team each year. Derek Jeter's given him less toys to play with. Um, makes it seem like we're in a recession in Major League Baseball in Miami. And then this year, they managed to hit like 500, barely. I don't think that's the team. Jonathan VR also, except for that one year when he had like 60 stolen bases, hasn't really done it for me. He's also garbage. I actually don't even think when he got traded to Toronto, what did he do? Nothing, right? right. Oh, sure. Yeah. But he he was considered one of the Marlins' big, you know, free agent prizes, you know, from their, their, from their right. big off season. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I was not a VR guy to begin with, but still, I mean, that that was a bold move to trade a guy like that when – you're still kind of in contention in this weird, bizarro season. Um, so, and I know that probably wasn't Madden Lee's decision, but he made it work. Isn't it insane, though, that Miami was the team that also was like, yeah, you know what, Giancarlo Stan, let's give you a mega deal. And Christian Yelich, we're not going to pay you, but we're going to flip you for, for prospects and stuff. Isn't it funny that Miami, a team that's got nothing but garbage, ended up making it further in 2020 than a team that had more toys? Miami Marlins, the, the Miami Marlins made it farther along than uh, 
than the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers have one of the old uh, prized possessions of Miami. The Yankees have Giancarlo Stan when healthy is dangerous. Like a check swing is a home run for Giancarlo. He's got so much power. You know, oh, like they they made it way further than the Phillies who have Real Muto. So yeah, another, but you know that the the Miami Marlins have never lost a playoff series. They are seven and zero. Seven and zero. In '97, yeah. they won the division series, the championship series, the World Series. In 2003, same shit. And now here we are. They won the little BS series. Next is the divisional. If they, I don't think it's they're going to make it past this one. I'm going to be eating my words. I really don't want to eat my words to Miami. That's like signing yourself up to eat a shit sandwich, and no one does that. I, I really, I just, I can't have them win this series. That's just no. Two games, anything can happen in two games, you know? Um, I just, oh, God, I really don't want a shit sandwich. They, they can't win. Well, just before we do move on to the next uh, series, another thing to think about with the Marlins is I think they've kind of arrived. And coming into this winter, if they want to spend money, I don't see why they can't. Or if they want to... We, we mentioned Darvish going to Minnesota, you know, maybe maybe they make a play for him or, you know, for someone else on another team that's, you know, looking to, you know, acquire assets, basically. Um, I just, I think they could very much have a, a really interesting winter. They, they should absolutely spend money. I mean, that's a team that is on the rise. And I know they're in a tough division, especially with the Braves. The Braves are right there with them, that they've got a lot of young guys who are just going to keep getting better. And the Braves are going to certainly look to add to their rotation. Um, you know, the Mets will always spend money. The Nationals, you know, I don't know what they'll do. They've got Soto to build around, but they've also got Scherzer and Strasburg who aren't getting any younger, so... The Marlins should spend money because they should be looking at it going, yeah, we're in a tough division, but the the Central is kind of a, a crap show. The The NL Central is garbage. So that, that whole division is way behind them. And if they can spend a little money and add some pitching and you know maybe add one more bat to that lineup, yeah, they're absolutely on the rise. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see why not, so... We'll see. Hopefully we have somewhat of a, a normal winter this year, but <laughs> you never know. Um, you know, especially after today, you know, with the president. But um, next round, uh, we've kind of alluded to it, uh, you know, a few times here. The Dodgers versus the Padres. So, Charlie, how many games is it going to take to for the Dodgers here? We lose Charlie. Where's he on mute? Oh. I don't know. I always is. do that. I don't know. Oh, there we go. So, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, this is going to go the full five. Um, I, I can't imagine it not going five just based on uh, what we were able to see. Um, it doesn't seem like the San Diego Padres are going to be one of those teams that you can actually count out because you can be down by a crap load of runs and this team can come back and put that team to put that team to shame while also setting some history. So um, the fact that you have Walker Bueller and Clayton 
uh, Kershaw on your team, that gives you two right there. But then again, you have Paddock, who could do something. Lamette could do something. Um, Clevenger is done. Um, but if if you're diplomatic about which starts you have going for which players, um, I think you easily have two going both ways. Overall, though, I think based on talent and the fact that you have experience with the Dodgers, the Dodgers have a significant edge over the Padres, still a very young team. And I think in two years, you will see the tides turn and it will go from L.A. to SoCal, real SoCal. And the Padres will be the team to beat in the National League and baseball. Um, I think the Dodgers have another year, maybe two, and that'll be the final, that'll be the end of the L.A. rivalry because after that, it's just going to be Padres and everyone else. Yeah, so I I still think the Dodgers are going to win this series. I want so badly for the Padres to pull the upset and to knock the Dodgers out, um, but... The Dodgers are just too stacked. I mean, so game one is Tuesday. So you figure Bueller um, can pitch game one. You get Kershaw game two. And then they'll probably throw, what, Dustin May game three? Um, that's that's the way I figure it goes. So uh, the Dodgers just have too much. I Chris Paddock, he's either got to pull a rabbit out of the hat and pitch a great game one and redo what he did in in the first series or he's going to get outmatched again um and look i i love that padres offense i i think their offense is great but right now to be perfectly frank it's being carried by three guys and that's fernando tatis it's will myers and it's jake cronworth machado's not hitting trent grisham is not hitting mitch Moreland is not hitting um you know, it's they've still got some gaps there. And I think the Dodgers bullpen is maybe a little more sturdy than the Padres because the Padres are still relying on Drew Pomeranz. And maybe that's my Red Sox PTSD kicking in, but I can't imagine Drew Pomeranz being the difference maker in an important playoff game and actually nailing it down and being able to quell a Dodgers lineup like that. So. Um, the Dodgers just have too much firepower. They've got way too much. I think the Padres will win maybe a game, you know, if if they get a great performance out of Paddock or if, you know, if Denelson LeMay hits the mound and he's healthy and he delivers a great game. I agree with Terry. I don't think Clevenger's going to pitch. I know they're insistent that he will, but an elbow strain, that's not something you just pitch through. That's... Ugh. That's rough. Um, so I don't love that. And I think the Padres can squeak out a game, but that's it. I, I think the Dodgers are, are going to coast, and, and they're going to go through. I've got a bold prediction. I'm just picking the Dodgers in a sweep here. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. they can match the Padres with firepower, you know, home run for home run hit for hit i just 
I just think they're too good. They're better in every area. And I don't think Lamette is, is going to be available next week. I really don't. I think that bicep issue is serious enough that they're not going to – he's not going to be available. So I just – the Dodgers are better in every single area. And I hope it's a competitive series. You know, it's it's better for baseball if it is. But I see them just taking it three to nothing. And here's here's a thing that I struggle with. You know, for as long as the Yankees are in it, and all three of us picked the Rays last night, but for as long as the Yankees are in it, you kind of need the Dodgers to kind of hang around <laughs> just in case, you know. You, yeah. you need the most dangerous, you know, matchup, um, you know, for the Yankees that there is. And, I mean... Looking at the other teams, I mean, the Marlins aren't... Well, the Marlins did kind of tune them up, but um, but Atlanta, it's just, it's tough. I mean, you really need the Dodgers to, to hang around for as long as the Yankees are in it. And the thing that I, I wrestle with the most is, I'm like, do I really want Mookie to get a ring like this fast? After like mm-hmm. not even trying to, you know to negotiate a contract with, with the Red Sox. And, but then I say to myself, it'd be cool if Joe Kelly would get another ring. Like, I'm fine with that, <laughs> you know, because I, I love Joe Kelly. But, but yeah, it's just a team. It's just, I just can't like them, you know, like I possibly could the Padres, you know, even though they have Machado. But, um, but yeah. So we'll see, but th- this could finally be the Dodgers' year, and I think it's a legit championship. I really do. I mean, the best mm-hmm. teams are basically, you know, made the playoffs. You know that were good during the season, and uh, I think the teams that missed probably would have missed anyway, even in you know a hundred and sixty-two game season. So, um. So, yeah, I, I just, I can't, the, the only way I see the Padres winning a game is if, you know, it's a low-scoring game, you know, the, their bullpen holds up, much like they did tonight, their, their starter doesn't get killed, and then Kenley Jansen just blows it. That's how I can see it happen, but I, I just... I'm I'm picking a sweep here. Mm. Always yeah. the optimist, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's too bad the Padres uh, went after Clevenger, who has a lot of baggage, whether it's, you know, breaking COVID protocol or, um, you know, staying healthy. You know, he's got issues. They're probably could have been a better trade out there. Maybe they should have tried harder for Plesak, really. I don't know if that hmm. was realistic or not, but um, he's young, has a couple more years of control, and as far as we know, stays healthy. So um, that that might have been the better deal. I always, I keep thinking too, like imagine how much more dangerous the Dodgers would be if David Price didn't opt out. <laughs> I mean, great. 
granted, I'm not a huge Bryce guy, especially when it comes to the playoffs. But like, if he was invested and he cared, and he was their number three guy, holy crap! Like, <laughs> that'd be nasty. Yeah, you know, he probably wouldn't have pitched in the last round. So, as much as I'd love to say that that could have been a loss, you know, Bueller still goes out game one, and then Kershaw still goes out game two. So he, he'd be pitching for the first time in this next series. And the one thing, though, that might have played to his favor is uh, Dodger Stadium is one of his best stadiums. So, you know, we'll maybe we'll see next year. But here's a question, though. He's, he, let's see, he was born in, I think, 85. I think he's two years younger than me. So that's going to make him 36 next year. Can like it just seems to me like he's probably going to get hurt, not having pitched, yeah. you know, not not having Tommy John ever. A lot of mileage mm-hmm. on that arm. I just I don't know if he's ever going to really bounce back. No, I I think he'll come back and he'll be pretty much healthy, but he won't be the same guy. That's the thing. the The layoff is not going to hurt his health. If anything, it'll help his health. It's it's going to affect the way he can pitch because, yeah, he's going to be a year older. He's going to probably lose some velocity. And again, that's that's a year away from you know we always hear about major league hitters when they're a year away from the game. It's oh man, it's tough to be a year away from live pitching. You know. I think for a guy like David Price, it's a it's hard to be a year plus away from live hitting. Like he's gonna, so what? He's gonna come back after a year layoff, and he's gonna just be able to strike out Nolan Arenado on three pitches, or he's he's gonna be able to go up against Fernando Tatis and not crap his pants. I I think that's a high expectation. So I think health wise, he'll be okay, but he'll probably have an ERA in the high threes, low fours because he just won't. He's not going to be as effective. Yeah, you know, but I look at some of the guys this year. Verlander, you know, never really got going. Uh, a super long layoff. You know, it was, what, nine or ten months, you know, since the World Series. Ends up having Tommy John. You have Cole Hamels with shoulder issues. Um you know, so I just I think there is a little bit of a little bit of a chance that that an injury could happen, and I think injuries happen all the time when when players aren't pitching well because you know they st- try to put a little bit more velocity on their fastball or something, you know, to overcompensate for the fact that they're just not pitching well and and. You know, injuries happen, so I'm just not sure, you know, and what will his velocity be? You know, it it was, what, 96, 97 or so, I think, but he hasn't pitched since September of 2019, so, you know, he'll be ramping up in March of of 2021, so that's pretty lengthy, and if you look at that 2019 season, he labored quite a bit, you know, he was pitching deep in the counts. It, it seemed like by the time the fifth inning 
came up. He, you know, he was already around 90 pitches. So I just think there's a there's a high likelihood to me he's just going to be a complete mess next year. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. You still with us, Charlie? He might not be. I don't know. Yeah. We're basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, he's showing on mute right now. But just one okay. question, um, you know, because it, it might be relevant. You know, President Trump, you know, he's in Walter Reed right now. Seems like he's fine. I, I watched a video that he did, you know, addressing everyone right before he got on the helicopter to go there. But my fear here is that, with him being, you know, basically quarantined with with COVID, I just hope that things don't go nuts here in a week and everything gets shut down, including sports. Like, it's, it's in the back of my mind. And if you look at last March, it happened quick. You know, within 72 hours, you know, life was normal and then everything was shut down. So... I just hope that everything goes on without a hitch and, uh, you know, it doesn't end up being a factor. But we're kind of in uncharted waters now with, you know, the fact that yeah. some important it's, people are getting it. Yeah, it's it's a day-by-day -day thing. I mean, the NFL through the first, what, two weeks, three weeks was okay. And then all of a sudden um, – Steelers, Titans, and Vikings were all infected, or you know, it was mo mostly the Titans that were infected. So they already had to postpone that game and push it to a later date, and there was that whole mess. Um, I hopefully nothing happens, but yeah, it's like you said, it's so unpredictable these days because you know, one day you could go in feeling like, yep, everything's fine, everyone's good, we're all okay, and then you could wake up tomorrow morning, and we could hear. Oh, by the way, uh, you know, six members of the Atlanta Braves have tested positive, and so that series is now on hold. And it's like, that's just the ultimate nightmare scenario. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we're past that, but yeah, you you never know. Yeah, we've got, what, two more weeks. I feel like if the World Series at least gets started, by hook or by crook, they'll they'll get it done, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and the other interesting thing, too, is um, the National League side of it is going to Texas. And they're allowing, I think, up to 11,000 fans in the stadiums. So I, I don't know if the timing of that is, is good at this point. But um, that's yeah. currently the plan. So I don't know. We'll see. But... But we've uh, we've got our picks. I think we we all agreed on everything, um, at least in this round. So so we'll uh, we'll see, and maybe we'll we'll see some more primetime games. You know, because some of those games were just hmm. impossible for me to watch. All the two o'clock starts, because that's when my afternoon uh -oh. rate starts. Yeah. yeah, I just couldn't couldn't see a lot. Yeah, of them, so. I. Yeah, I can't tune into uh, what Reds Braves at two o'clock in the afternoon. That's just yeah, that's not feasible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we know the Yankees series will will be at night. So and that's probably what we're going to be most interested in. 
anyway. Oh yeah, being Red Sox fans, but I I pray for Matt Vasgersian and his throat because every time Aaron Judge is a hits a home run or Giancarlo Stanton hits a home run, he's gonna probably lose his voice. So I hope he's <laughs> drinking a lot of tea and a lot of water, and you know, just keep your voice fresh, Matty V, because you know he's gonna lose his mind. We know that. Yeah, and you know, I noticed during uh, you know the Nesson games this year they were always on top of it even though they weren't um you know they weren't at the you know Fenway Park but not being there seems to hurt A-Rod and Matt Vasgersian because there'll be hits and they won't even be paying attention you know they'll just be halfway through A-Rod's joke or whatever and then and then Matt Vasgersian has to he's like oh Oh, looks like that was a hit to, you know, a, a single to left. <laughs> and it's yeah. just, you can just tell that they're not quite on their game. And A-Rod's, like, probably still pissed he didn't get the Mets. You know, I don't think he has as much interest in broadcasting anymore. I think the newness has worn off and, mm. you know, yeah. he wants the bigger, more exciting, uh, you know, things that, you know, guys like Jeter has, but... I'm just glad he didn't get it, but yeah, me too. Actually, yeah, yeah. I the my Jeter's you know overseeing things the right way. I think the Marlins are building their teams the right way. You know, their scouting is good. Their their trade returns have been good, but the last thing I want is 15 years from now, half the teams be owned by former players, and it becoming a fraternity, and them. Mm you know, doing day-to-day operations like the four of us on this podcast would if we were, you know, in a fantasy baseball league, you know, mm-hmm. just not taking it seriously. But, yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know. But anyway, so we'll uh, we'll reconvene a week from now to see what all went down. Maybe an upset happens somewhere in here, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, should be fun. All right, man. Have a good night. All right. See you later. Episode 224 in the books. Divisional series coming up. So we'll uh, see what goes down. And like I just said with Jason, we'll uh, be back with you late next week to... uh, give our thoughts on what went down. So take care.